The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Hi. afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, where Sue Martin joins us with Ag and Investment out of Webster City, Iowa. And wow, that's about the only thing I can think of, Sue. We look at these markets today. Nice to see another day with some higher numbers, but it was this wheat market that just kind of exploded out of the gates and pulled everybody else along. Well, it certainly did. In fact, I think it kind of surprised everyone as to the strength it had. But we got down to some major uh, uh, moving average supports this week, and, and the psychological $5 level is supportive as well. And then for the month of um, May, July KC wheat support, first support is 499 So And then the July Chicago was uh, 477 So, you know, both of those got to those levels. Um, we didn't quite get to 499 but got into the lower $5 area around 502 and a half, something like that, and the markets did a reversal. Well, the forecast for the next 10 days is calling for above normal temps, and they've lessened the amount of rain potential, and so that added support as well. And then when um, China uh, overnight uh, ended up uh, uh, basically retracting or backing out of uh, filing the complaints of... um, you know, the U.S. Uh, subsidizing sorghum and uh, anti-dumping uh, investigations, I think that that then implied we're going to see these tariffs drop away on sorghum, and that will then start to move sorghum, and that takes away concerns over competition for feed wheat with uh, uh, feed wheat and sorghum and corn versus sorghum. So um, all of that combined, I think, set this market back in motion, but naturally... The uh, above-normal temp forecast certainly has a big hand in it. There's a lot of nervousness that's been going on uh, this week. Obviously, first of all, they had the Farm Bill uh, vote on the House for, which didn't pass. But more importantly, that um, May 17th date has come and gone for NAFTA. So does that cause any concerns for you guys as you look at it? Well, it has. One thing, though, we were seeing on Twitter today where uh, the ambassador to Canada has said that the NAFTA is close, that the agreement is close. So um, you never know. We might hear something at any time. Um, And if it doesn't get done right now, then this summer we should see something really come together. But um, it would not surprise us if the NAFTA does get settled, uh, so to speak, with corn. It will be very beneficial to corn um, and wheat both, but it would also be very beneficial to the hog market, I think. We look at the the other happenings within these markets, and obviously we've had um, the second crop of Brazil is doing some catch-up with some showers moving in. Do you see that? What are your thoughts on what you've been hearing? Because you've got some great sources there in South America. Well, our weather sources uh, indicate that there is a chance for one to two-inch rains to come across Paraná, Mato Grosso, Mato Grosso do Sul, uh, Gias. Those are the major areas for second uh, crop corn in Brazil and it certainly has been dry, it needs the moisture, but, you know, they've even lessened a little bit of that forecast there as well. And, you know, this is the time of the year where they start drying out and becoming more dry. 
as they go through the month of June. So they need these rains to come through at this time. They're very critical. Ethanol margins remaining pretty stable? They are. Ethanol margins are doing very well. Of course, when you look at what crude oil has been doing, uh, it certainly does add support to the uh, uh, demand for ethanol and for the grind. And so we continue to see that demand quite good. Uh, we expect it to continue to be quite good as far as that goes as we go through the year. Uh, so on the soybeans, I was reading, and I don't know if I have the numbers correct, was it almost 100,000, maybe 950,000, give or take, metric tons that was canceled today on soybeans? It, it was right around 892,000 metric tons, I believe. It um, it was kind of a, you know, it was kind of like a little bit of a surprise, but yet kind of a backdoor. Actually, I take it back. It was um, eight nine hundred forty nine thousand metric tons. You were right. Okay. Nearly a million metric tons, but of that eight hundred twenty nine thousand metric tons is old crop soybeans, and then the remaining one hundred twenty thousand is for two thousand eighteen nineteen. Then on the flip side, we had a sale announced of one hundred sixty eight thousand metric tons for delivery to unknown destinations. And of that, 56,000 metric tons was for old crop and the rest of it for new. And that follows on the heels of a sale yesterday announced of 132,000 metric tons to unknown destinations. So, you know, when you hear all this talk about uh, the uh, uh, Chinese uh, trade tariffs and what they're doing with sorghum and backing out on some of the uh, concerns or what have you, the anti-subsidy probe and the anti-dumping um, with the World Trade Organization, I suspect that uh, this was kind of like the back shoot, you know, trying to say, okay, we'll give you this, but then we're going to cancel this. And so they did it all at the same time. Well, the corn market has been gaining counter-seasonally against soybeans. And so the bean market has really struggled. And, of course, if you look today, it was all about corn and wheat versus soybeans. They keep um, just sort of not coming around real well. That would change if we got some good news on the bean market versus the, you know, that uh, China would drop those tariffs, so have, what have you. Um, you know, our take is we'll give you ZTE if you'll turn around and drop your tariffs on agricultural markets. And so far, we're not totally in agreement yet. You would hope it would be a give and take at one point. I think it will be. Um, China is never known to be real fast on anything. And uh, so they're, you know, willing to do a little carrot with sorghum. Does it mean they take a lot of sorghum? Maybe not. But by taking those tariffs away, um, crediting back the uh, importers that were going to bring um, the uh, sorghum in. We have more of the Fontenelle Final Bell coming up after this on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, being joined by Sue Mart of Ag and Investment out of Webster City, Iowa. Let's look at the stock-to-use ratio. As we were um, on break for the commercials, you brought up a really good point and interesting numbers we might see in, what, 45-plus years. Well, you know, the um, when you look at uh, the demand, the supply-demand fundamentals that we have going with corn, um, and then the downsizing of the uh, Brazilian old crop production and China's potential new crop production being less. You know, the USDA, I think, sitting around 225 million metric ton estimate. But CNGOIC 
uh, is estimating that their production will be around 210 to 13. Well, if you take that into account, and even if you pull China out of the out of the production, you know our stocks to usage ratio could be the tightest in 45 years. And you know, and if we can get NAFTA uh, settled down here and get an agreement going between the U.S. and Mexico and U.S. and Canada, well, there's a lot of corn that goes into Mexico. And Mexico has also been a little bit on the dry side. They're uh, dealing with very dry conditions. So is the southwestern part of the U.S. And so, you know, that's kind of concerning. But then the very southern part of the country is also very dry. And then you look at Canada and the Canadian prairies, and they're looking at extremely dry conditions. I think it spells that while we maybe don't have a weather market going per se in the U.S., what about the possibility of a weather market that continues in other parts of the world. Brazil, Argentina, Brazil's number two exporter now in the world. They kind of counter back and forth with Argentina but uh, for that space. But uh, Brazil, number two, Argentina, who went through a weather issue this year and the demise, and is exporting corn uh, aggressively to you know generate cash because their currency has been so devalued, interest rates at 40% and inflation so high but also the soviet union uh comes in there russia comes into play and they are now grasping for number three and then you've got south africa beyond that and the ukraine so um ukraine's got some weather issues going on it could very well be that we have weather issues going on elsewhere and the northern china plains where they do grow um corn in china is uh, dealing with dryness as well. So, you know, it's going to be an interesting summer, but it could be a weather market, yeah, somewhere else. Wouldn't mean it has to be here. It's just that the demand around the world with growing economies, our demand has grown so aggressively, and the prices were cheap enough, long enough, that it's going to really create tight supplies and going forward. And, of course, uh, we're very much in a bull camp in corn. It, we believe we're in a demand-driven market. And demand markets, Susan, are harder to quantify. Supply is easy. You can see it. But demand is elusive, comes and goes. Therefore, you start off in stair steps, ebbing and flowing and what have you, and nobody believes it. Then all of a sudden, when they finally get with the program and they believe it, then you are into the realization phase and the markets are moving like gangbusters. You know, producers I've talked to have said that they feel like this year there's a lot more pressure on them to be able to grow a crop with all the outside market influences from from trade to just, you know, the weather. There's a lot of factors this year more than in years past. There certainly is. I do think it's a year, it seems like, to have hail insurance. Um, But also, you know, you look at uh, the weather forecast, the ones that we're seeing for outlooks through the summer do kind of talk about a warmer than normal and drier uh, June. Then we get into July and on into August, and it sounds like the dryness more continues to remain more in the southern plains and into the southwest. Well, that's Kansas. It could be part of Nebraska, but it would be Kansas on down into Texas. There's a fair amount of corn through there that could also lower our production, and we can't afford to tighten our stocks to usage ratio any more than we are. Let's head over to the livestock side here real quick. We look at this cattle market. It's been kind of a slower Friday for them. Well, it has, other than maybe on the feeder cattle. They kind of took a biting, but but still, they had been higher, and then we kind of gave it up. 
um, and close lower. But that's not a surprise. This is a market that every time we try to lift, there you know the bear is there selling, and again a supply bear. Um, but our demand for beef is very very good. The cutout hit on choice hit uh, the highest it's been since June of last year. So very positive there. Uh, thank goodness we have this good demand because of the supplies that have been being pulled. One thing I think is rather interesting. I was told that cattle out of Minnesota are being pulled at 100 pounds lighter than they would be normally for market ready by the packer. Yesterday, I had a client who's on the western side of Nebraska towards Montana, and he has quite a few animals um, marketed ahead for into June and told me that they pulled uh, about 800 head yesterday ahead of time that were 800 or 100 pounds lighter than normal. Best way for folks to reach you, Sue? Well, our number is 1-800-527-0051. And y'all have a great weekend. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.